We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, let's let's dive into the Q&A portion of our recruiting show. Because there's some uh there's some interesting aspects of this because I there's a lot I could say about what you just said because I I do think the winning battles thing matters. And you know, it, last year you beat you got Tobias Merriweather, whose dad grew up a big Michigan fan. Michigan wanted him. You know, you you go down to the southeast and get Jalen Sneed. You know, you go into Michigan's backyard and get a kid in Josh Burnham that grew up a Michigan fan. You know, they, they won they won a lot of those battles on defense last year. Tyson Ford was a strong lean to Oklahoma, and he's in Oklahoma territory, you know, in St. Louis uh, when Marcus Freeman arrived. Junior Tui Alamalo was a commit to USC when Marcus Freeman arrived. I mean, Benjamin Morrison had a, has a sister at Michigan, has a sister that, or had a sibling that went to Washington, and they beat both of them for him. And and so, yes, it, you've, you've got to be start winning those battles. For the kids you don't normally get, that's the key. And so that'll make it interesting. So uh, we want to dive into sort of a, the Q&A part, right? Now we're going to answer your questions. You can ask team questions, but we're going to have Q&As the rest of the week about that. Uh, I think this would be a great time to, to dive into some recruiting questions. So we got a lot of these things starred, Ryan. Some are, some are questions, some are comments, but let's start off. We have a super chat from AST. One, two, three, two, one. Is Nico's situation a seismic shift? Thank you for the super chat, by the way. Is the Nico situation... A seismic shit change to the whole environment or closer to a case-by-case situation uh, than not the ideal scenario for the sport either way. He's referring to the report that Nico, uh, the quarterback from California, got is getting a multi-million dollar NIL deal uh, to go to a school. I believe that's going to be Tennessee. So it's being reported. Although I think that was made public for a reason. Uh, the reason being, hey, Oregon, now it's your turn. Uh, to see what you have to offer. I mean, that's that's what it is, Let's, if we're being honest. Um, this is also why I told you he was never going to be a fit for Notre Dame. I mean, th- there's a reason we've said – there's a reason we basically ignored him. We did a film breakdown recently, and so while it's being said that, oh, he, he likes Notre Dame, we didn't even we, – we talked about him, but we didn't break down film of him. And this is why. He's never going to be at Notre Dame. It, it's, a, it's a seismic shift in a lot of ways, yes. I'm not going to deny that. I, I think the thing I've always pushed back on is not every kid's going to be looking for that. That's the difference. 
And some kids understand like, yes, I may go there and get $2 million, but there's so many other things that aren't going to work for me. But this is going to get really ugly in a lot of ways if it doesn't get reined in by the NCAA, who right now is waiting on the federal government to fix it, which is the stupidest thing ever because they're not going to fix a darn thing. Um, so it just, it, I don't see it changing anytime soon. We're going to have to live with this for a while until the, either the NCA gets new leadership or as they're waiting on federal legislation to fix it, there, there, something has to happen because this, this can't go on. And what, and the thing what will happen is, is as more A&Ms and Tennessee's and, and Oregon start buying players, that's how change happens because then the blue bloods get pissed off and they start pushing for change. Right. When Nick Saban and Alabama and Mike's, you know, those people start like, Hey, this isn't working out for us too well. You know, that's what hurt SMU. They started beating Texas and Penn State and A&M for kids. And they're like, ah, we can't have this little pipsqueak SMU beating us for kids that we're also trying to buy. So let's right. get them in trouble. You know what I mean? So you'll see something like that. I just think it's hilarious that Tennessee has the cojones to do this like less than a year after the whole bags of McDonald's cash. And what's the NCAA Amazing. done about that? Nothing. Right? So as we've told you before, the NCAA doesn't care about anything other than their pockets being lined. That's all they care about. It's all they care about. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing. So, uh, but again, there's this paranoia about, well, what's this mean for this guy or that guy? And I just keep telling you all, not every kid is, is, is looking for that. Some kids understand that there's a bigger picture here, right? Going to a place that can develop me as a quarterback is, is more important. If you're a five-star quarterback, going somewhere that will develop you, is a $10 million deal, a 20, 30, 40, $50 million deal. Cause you're going to be a top five pick as opposed to your $2 million payout to go somewhere else. Now, if some kids think that they can find both, sure, it's going to work out, but you know, that's the thing that I think we have to, to, to point to is that not every kid's looking for that because look, folks, kids have been, have been getting bought for decades and yet Notre Dame still gets players and other schools that don't buy players still get guys. You know, every kid's different. And so we got to we got to stop lumping every kid in this whole. Uh, this is how Nico is. There's a reason I said this about Nico at the very beginning. And I didn't say it about Vizina and I didn't say it about Dante Moore. And I didn't say it about Malachi Nelson. Right. That kid's a different animal. Right. And there's other kids like that. So that that's my that's my take on that particular situation. Right. If you have anything to add to that, feel feel free. Yeah, no, I, I think it's worth noting that there's definitely a shift that's happening. Right. Like it's definitely a change in the full sphere of recruiting but like you said brian i do think it is a case-by-case situation right like it's not it does not it does not symbolize every player how they're going to strategize and how they're going to take on the recruiting um landscape so Mm -hmm. i I don't think that it i don't think that it is encompassing of everyone but i do think that it is definitely going to force some hands here Mm -hmm. very soon Correct. Correct. And look, Notre Dame has to be involved in NIL. We've never said Notre Dame doesn't have to be involved. What we've tried to tell you is they're more involved than you think they are, and they're working on doing even more. So Notre Dame is going to be involved here. They're just not going to use it as an enticement. That's my issue with this. I don't care if a quarterback at Notre Dame signs a $2 million deal once he's proven something, right? Like, no problem. If If Tyler Buckner goes out and has a phenomenal year and signs a $2 million contract for an endorsement deal, 
good for you. I, I truly believe that because you've 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 earned that, right? The the college football is making billions off of you. I'm not I'm not a pay the players kind of thing where you have salaries and all that kind of stuff because once you become an employee, you become fireable. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and, but it's about, look, if you, if you can, if the school's going to put your name on a Jersey and make millions of dollars off of it, I'm sorry, you should get some of that. I've always felt that I'm, I'm okay with NIL in theory. I don't think it'd be, should be using as enticement. That's my problem. Right. But once these kids get there and earn it, then I'm all for it. Okay. And that's where Notre Dame is going to have their success is pushing those stories. And that's what they have to do a better job of. In my opinion, they can't sit back and not do anything and expect to get kids. There's going to have to be some level of, Hey, this is what's going on. And it's not just important for getting kids. It's important for keeping kids. And and I think you're going to see more guys like Isaiah Foskey who are willing to say no to leaving early and being a second round pick, knowing they can come back to Notre Dame and maybe bump into the first round because they're not, they're, they're still going to make money. We saw, uh, I think it was Hunter Dickinson from Michigan last year and mentioned that. Like the NIL stuff was part of the reason he decided to come back, not just the fact that he wasn't going to be a first-round pick, because he could come back and still make money. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it, it, it could even have a greater impact for a place like Notre Dame is that's how you convince a kid to come back for a senior year or a fifth year. It's like, hey, man, you know, yes, you're, you're passing up a chance to be a second-round pick, which is going to get you millions of dollars, but you're still going to get 250 next year for us. And then we're going to jump bump you up into the first round because we're going to do this, this, and this. And then so you're going to get both, right? And that's the pitch. That That's where Notre Dame is, to me, is going to have a, more of an enticement when it comes to impact and NIL as opposed to using it to entice a kid like Nico or somebody else to come to Notre Dame. That's just kind of how I feel about it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coleman Smith with a question. I'm continuing to wait on an offensive commit. What do you do both of you think will be that? Who do you do both of you think will be the next to come offensive commit? My guess is Jagasaw or Braylon James. What say you, Ryan? 
I think Jagasaw is a decent guess, to be honest. I, I think Braylon James is a, a good one as well. I, I do think that – I mean, I could see Jagasaw any day now, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I could see him today, tomorrow, a couple weeks from now. It's a little it's a little more open-ended, I guess. Braylon, we know, wants to commit before the season, but he said, like, you know, hopefully in the spring. It might go into the summer, late July, early August. Like, he's kind of keeping it, like, I'll know when I know type of thing. Right. So – I, I thought yeah, that was interesting, it. though. He followed up on that, Ryan, because because we were listening to the audio last night, and Brian Smith was was interviewed it, and Ryan put it all together and wrote a really good story about it. But he said he talked about you know late July, early August. He goes, he said, but mm-hmm. it was like a but when I know, I'll know. So he's not if he if he if he thinks he knows tomorrow, he's going to commit. If if he doesn't really know until July or August, he'll commit then. So it's basically like, look, when I know where I want to be, and I'll know then right. then he'll commit. So I could see him popping after the Notre Dame visit and I could see him still taking officials in June or July if he's not 100 or in uh, June if he's not 100% certain. That's yeah. why this visit this weekend is so important for him. Very important in my opinion. Yeah. But I, I think Jagasaw is my best guess. My my three guys Jagasol that I view as Yeah, the three guys that I view as the most likely offensive players to commit to Notre Dame is Jagasaw, Dante Moore and Braylon James. That's my three. That would be my three. That's fair. Just looking at on the offensive side of the ball. Adam Harknett, whatever happened to Kamari Rogers? That was an interesting one because, you know, we, we saw, we saw, I mean, he seemed to really like Notre Dame. He said all the right things about Notre Dame and he was supposed to come on a visit to Notre Dame and all of a sudden just dropped him. And from what I'm told, it just really came down to, he just kind of wanted to go somewhere where football was king for his responsibilities. And that's just, he didn't feel like Notre Dame was a place where he could, you know, kind of focus his attention on things. Not, not that he doesn't care about academics, but just, it wasn't the driving force behind what he needed to do. And, you know, and he, he went to Miami. So, uh, and he grew up a Miami fan, I believe too. So I think that factored in it as well. Um, but yeah. And, and then of course the knee injury, I think kind of threw things off a little bit uh, as well, but uh, you know, I think that, that was really where it came down to. Tyler Almani, any chance the bus, Jerome Bettis, is a part of on-campus recruiting visits this spring? Absolutely he will be. Better I'm be. already told he has been. That's what I've, I've told he has already been. Because the thing about it is he's a student. He's not an alum. I mean, he's, a stu- he's an enrolled student at Notre Dame. So that puts him in a whole different category than like Tim Brown. Right where there's some things Tim Brown can do and some things Tim Brown can't do because he's he's an alum and and all this other kind of stuff. But Jerome Bettis is a student at Notre Dame, so you can utilize him in ways that you can't utilize a lot of things. And from what I'm told, he has been all on board with it so far, all on board with it. And, and let me just say something else: Jerome Bettis, we've been one of many former Notre Dame players. As, there are going to be so many former Lou Holtz players on campus for the spring game. It is insane. I talked to a buddy of mine last night that played under Coach Holtz, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to be there. And you can't get much further away from South Bend than where he lives, and he's not going to be alone. And trust me, there will be plenty of opportunities for those guys to bump into the recruits that are going to be on campus. There's a reason they're pushing for so many big-time players and commits to be on campus that weekend. And that's why it's going to be huge. I mean, talk about keeping Peyton Bowen and Keon Keeley – that weekend's going to be a big one for that, a really big one for that, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Tyree hit the nitro. Love that name. 
What D-line position are they looking at Bubakar Traore for and with Vernon sliding inside? No, they are looking at him as an interior player. They look at him as a D-tackle that could maybe even slide inside because he's listed at 6'4", about 255 right now is where Notre Dame has him. Uh, He's got a really big wingspan. I could see him. I mean, I think he's a three technique by the time he enrolls. I mean, he's already got a bigger frame than what Jason Onye had at the time. He's also, Ryan, I think he's a really powerful kid. He's a really Mm -hmm. quick, twitchy kid vertically, but he's a little tight in the hips, I think. I don't see him as an edge guy. I don't see him having the ability to bend and get around the corner. I think he's more of a, a tight quarters guy. So he's a three technique nose. Again, how Notre Dame uses the nose. And that'll be determined ultimately by how much he fills out. But I think he's got a huge frame. I think he's going to be an easy 280, 285 easy and, and be an interior guy. But they they are looking at him as an inside guy in uh, in the current defense. Ryan, what yeah. are your thoughts on him as a player? I know we both watched this film a bit this weekend. Yeah, no, I, I think that we agree in the cer- certain sense that, like, I don't think that he's the most – lateral quick twitchy type of dude as far as like change of direction but i do think first step is really nice man like he he can put mm-hmm. you in some bad situations yes. right and he's got a like you said he's got a nice frame he's a really well put together kid already which mm-hmm. is nice to see like he you can tell he i think he spends a little time in the weight room you know what i mean and he's a good athlete there's i think there's a lot of things that you could do with him positionally which would be fun because like you said they view him Interior player, strong side defensive end, maybe depending on how it you know develops. So he's definitely more of the interior player comparative to a Brendan Vernon. Uh, but I also think that Brendan Vernon, again, I think he gives you that flexibility too. We kind of move it forward if he can carry the weight like we think he can, right? Because I mean, he can mm-hmm. play on the outside for sure. There's no doubt. I think he can work inside. Notre Dame is just continues to get be getting good places with versatile defensive linemen who I think can play all over the place. If they're able to land. Traore, I mean, again, guy that can play a little bit on the edge, but can play a lot inside and give you a lot of versatility defensively-wise. I I was also asked, this has nothing to do with Keon Keeley. It has nothing to do with Brendan Vernon. It has nothing to do with Jason Moore. They just like this kid. They've been recruiting him for a while. Uh, They've been recruiting him since Mike Elson was here, and they've never backed off with the coaching change. This is a guy that they wanted. Uh, They were a big reason he ended up decommitting from uh, Boston College. We have some we have some intel on him on the board, the message board. I encourage you to check that out. Notre Dame is not the only player for him, but they are a big time player for him. And this has no impact. This doesn't mean anything about Jason Moore or anybody else. This is just a kid that they like that they want. Simple as that. Because uh, I've had a few people ask about that. But um, I think the other thing too is the fact that he is twitchy vertically with a combination of heavy hands are the two things that for me say that's what makes him an interior guy, assuming he can fill out the frame because. You can do a lot in tight quarters with a, as a tight-hipped guy if you've got heavy hands and you've got some twitch. You've got some speed and some some got a real thick lower body too, like real strong lower body. And I would say mm-hmm. thick because, I mean, there's room to put on, but like really sturdy, really strong. Everything helps as well. So he's, he's a good football player. He's ranked in the top 100 by a couple by some. He's ranked in like 150 guy. Right now for me, Ryan, he's more of like a 150 guy because he is so raw. But the ceiling is incredibly high, in my opinion, for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think he falls into the developmental type of category. But, like, he's – I mean, the upside is is substantial. So, I agree. Right. He's – I think that, you know, you lean more towards – who was the one that had him a little lower? It was – trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it was. 
here I can I can go find out. I'm, I'm pretty sure I think Rivals is the one that has them a little higher. Uh, yeah. I could be wrong on that, but uh, I'm gonna look up this. Uh, just give me a second on him. Yeah, I'll no look that up. Yeah, but I I do I do really think that he kind of fits more into that the the, the long term is going to outweigh the short term with the tech, yeah. with Obukar Traore. So two four no, seven no and on that. three have him as a top hundred player. Uh, ESPN mm-hmm. has him at one ninety and Rivals has him at two twenty four. I'd rank him okay. higher than both of those. I wouldn't rank him yeah. as high as I wouldn't put him in the top hundred right now. I'm definitely not. He's not so raw that I've got him all the way down to like 190, 224. He's like more of a one fifty ish guy for me. But so he's a one fifty, right? Exactly. But he's a one fifty ish guy that I love because the seal. Right. So the thing is, I don't care as much about the ranking as I care about the projection and the projection because what do we start to show off with? Not what guys were ranked, but the the practicality of it, like. I don't care what he's ranked. This guy can ball, right? And that's what I see this kid as. He, he's probably not a guy that I would rank in the top 100, but he's a guy with a really high ceiling, and, and that's how you look at it. And I would take a 150 guy with a super high ceiling than a guy ranked 60th that is kind of already you know, close to what his ceiling is going to be. That, that, to me, is how I would always handle those kind of things. So where would you where would you kind of have him fall slide in there, Ryan? I mean, again, high as eighty eight, as low as two twenty four. Where would he kind of slide in, just in, as a range for you? He would probably split the difference. I might even be able to go up to like one twenty five to one fifty, mm-hmm. somewhere in that ballpark. Like, I, I think that the again, I think the ceiling is substantial again, but I, there has to be some context to the situation mm-hmm. that I, I don't I don't anticipate him coming in as a true freshman and being a huge impact type of player, right? Like right. he's more a year two, year three, like that's kind of the wheelhouse that I see for a guy like Treori. Next question kind of in line with that from John A1. How would Irish Breakdown rank the 2023 defensive tackle prospects with current grade and upside? So I'll tell you right now, I don't have current grades for all of the the interior guys yet, but we can kind of give you an analysis, just a brief analysis of them, uh, Ryan. So let's just start. We already talked about Treori. Jason Moore, he is a guy that I have graded. I have him as a 4.5 star guy, a four and a half star guy, which is a top 50 player is where I have him. So he'd be kind of in like that 40 to 60 range for me, uh, but a five star upside guy. Cause he's another guy that's a tad on the raw side. He's just more advanced than what Traore is tad sure. on the raw side as a junior, which you expect, but six, six, I was told that Notre Dame actually has him, uh, they they actually confirmed like when he visited Notre Dame last time he actually confirmed at six six over two fifty, like that that's impressive. He's a monster and he's athletic. I think he can play the edge. He can play a five technique. He can slide inside. He can he can literally line up everywhere except really Viper in a traditional Viper sense. You don't want him playing Viper and dropping into coverage and stuff. But he can play all every other spot in some role. And he's a really, really dynamic player for me, with an even an, an even higher ceiling than where my current grade is for him, Ryan. What's your thoughts on yeah. Jason Moore? You know who he reminds me of, Brian? I don't know if you remember him a ton, but Carlos Dunlap that came out of Florida mm-hmm. a while ago. That's with the Cincinnati Bengals. Like kind of that same big frame yeah. could play on the edge, right? But like sub, he can come inside. And I think that Jason Moore may even be like a full-time interior guy when all is right. said and done. But I think he's just a really rare type of big framed edge. And I mm-hmm. think – I mean, literally, I think he could play on the edge and carry well over 280 just because the frame he has because he's just so long, you know? Like, he's just length everywhere. The thing I like about him compared to the kid from Massachusetts is I think he's a more fluid athlete. Like, he's got a little bit more lateral quickness. He can bend a little bit. He plays with really good pad level, 
when his technique is right. You know, his technique kind of gets him to narrow his base at times and he'll lift up. But when his, when he keeps that base, he can really stay low for a 6'6 kid. So, yes, I agree with you. I think he can certainly be an edge guy uh, as, a, as a big end, right, like a big power end, and an, a, a Khalid Kareem. Like he's a better version of Khalid Kareem. He could, he could be that for Notre Dame. He could also slide inside and be a monster. I think yeah. Carlos Dunlap's a good comparison. I think the Notre Dame version of him – is Stefan Tuitt. He's he's a Stefan sure. Tuitt kind of guy, in my opinion. Stefan was stronger at that age because he was more physically advanced. Uh, but Jason, to me, is a little bit twitchier, in my opinion, than what Stefan was at the same age. And so that's why that's why I think he he could fit there. But I think that that to me would, from a Notre Dame standpoint, is the is the is the one that makes the most sense. Devin Houston, I have graded him. I have him as a four star. I have him as a top two hundred to two fifty kind of kid. Is where I have De- Devin Houston right now. Big kid, yeah. pure interior guy, probably a nose in what Notre Dame's defense. A good athlete for his size. I mean, he's a pretty good athlete for that size. But he's got a big old frame. He's like six five. He's listed at two seventy. He looks bigger than that to me. He looks 280, 285 already to me. I could be wrong on that, but he just he's got a real like big old. There was a picture he took recently as at, with Mike Elson at, on a visit at Michigan. His his older brother is actually a freshman basketball player at Michigan. But he had like these big old giant calves, right? And these big old thighs. I'm like, that's a big boy. But I have him as a four uh with a four and a half star upside grade. So he's got the upside of a top 50-ish kind of guy. But right now he I have him in like that 200 probably closer to 200 than the 250. Uh, but yeah. uh, that's where I have him, Ryan. What are your thoughts on Devin Houston for, as a player and from a ranking standpoint? Yeah, my immediate thought was he's a top 250 kid, right? Like, I, I don't think that it's – it's somewhere – I think what you're saying is fair, like 200 to 250. I would probably go a little closer to 250 just because I think there is some projection that needs to happen because I think – I mean, he plays base ends – for St. James school. And he, I think that you're projecting him probably more inside. And I think he's got a great frame where the upside is substantial. I think that he can add a ton more weight. I think that he could be that, that depth penetrating style nose, right. That kind of Notre Dame is kind of moving towards. Uh, But obviously there is definitely some projection to him for sure. Mm -hmm. Some other inside guys that Notre Dame is looking at. Uh, I haven't, I haven't graded or really looked at Stefylin green yet. Kid from Georgia, they recently offered. I haven't really broken him down. Uh, Connor Knight, we've looked at. I mean, we we both think he's an okay, solid player. He's a nose guard. Not he's not he's not a, he's a three and a half star guy for me. So not a top three hundred guy for me at this point in time. Um, other interior players, obviously, we talked about Bubakar. Uh, they Colton Vasek and uh, Desmond Umiozulu are two guys that they also recently offered that Notre Dame projects as ultimately being sort of big end three technique type of guys. Ryan, have you had a chance to watch either one of those guys? I have not. I have not had a chance yeah. to watch either one of those guys yet. Yeah, I actually watched it. Uh, so Desmond is – he's a pretty twitchy guy, man. I think he's kind of similar mm-hmm. – st- I mean, so I think that he's a full-time defensive end moving forward. Like, I don't know if he eventually gets to the range where he could be that three-tech, at least on like a, you know, volume basis anyway. But I do think he's a really twitchy kid. He's a little raw. But, I mean, the first step is substantial. I think he changes direction pretty well. He's got a long athletic frame. So there's a lot of projection with Desmond. But I do think that he has substantial upside. Vasek, I, I kind of compare a little Brian to stylistically speaking. Again, I'm not comparing him and saying that he's going to become this type of player. But he reminds me of Joey Bosa-ish, right? Yeah, like like body type-wise. Right. Yeah, long. Just I mean, he could hold a ton of weight. I mean, he's listed at like – 
230 pounds at 6'6 right now, but this kid could hold a legit 260 plus, and he's just got length everywhere. And I think that his his closing speed is really nice, but I don't know if I would call him the most dynamic athlete overall, right? Like mm-hmm. Bend is solid, not nothing special. First step is good, not great. Everything is just really solid. And I think he's going to be a really good run defending defensive end that can move inside, you know, on a on a situational basis. But I don't. I, I think that this, you're you're going to think of him more as a run stopping defensive end who also I think does have some. I think he's going to be able to cause some havoc, but maybe not be a high volume sack type of player. All right, hopefully, John, that gave you a little bit of a taste of uh, of what we are, of what we're thinking about with those guys. John A. One also says, "I'm really hoping that Notre Dame lands a number of pure football players, athletes. Really want to see Notre Dame land in Pemba, Ronan Hannafin, Darren Gallette, and Jaden Allsbury. They can do different things as physically uh, as physically dominant um, players. I just don't think they can land off. I don't think." roster management wise taking all four gets you into a little bit of a hairy situation because Mm -hmm. now you're saying all they can all do different things but they all four project ideally at a similar position so i don't know if they get to all four of those guys i mean part of it's going to depend on what happens a receiver because i I don't think ronan hannafin's a safety i guess that would be part of it is if you think ronan hannafin can play safety then you could, you know, you could maybe look, make it work, but if he's going to be on defense receiver, it just depends on how they finish. Right. And so I, I just don't know if you can land all four of them. I'll say this. If I could, I would, if I can make it work numbers wise, if I can make it work, I, there's not one of those kids I want to say no to. Right. It just practically speaking, I don't know if that's doable, but if you can land three of that four, that's really good. I mean, like to John's point, those are some really athletic football players who can do some different things. No, for sure. And, I mean, John, just for some context, I mean, Notre Dame is in the leader, I would say, for Samuel Pemba. I'd say they're a leader for Ronan Hannafin as it stands. Darren Gillette, they are trending in the right direction. Need to get him on campus, obviously. Jay Nosbury, probably a little bit more of an unrealistic one, so I don't think they get one. I don't think they get all four of those in that situation just in general, but I agree with you. I think, I mean, I think all four of those, I would say, I mean, Ronan Hannafin's a different animal a little bit because he may end up at wide receiver, but if they're ending up on defense, most likely they start at Rover, right? And then, but I think that each of them has a different designation as far as what the secondary position might be. And I think Impenma gives you a lot of flexibility because, he might end up being a Viper, man. Like he might right. he, he'd be a really good one, potentially. Hannafin, I, I view as a rover as well. I don't if he ends up on defense, but I don't know if he has like I think that he could hold a substantial amount more weight, but I don't know if he's a true like rover will type of player. Like he might yeah. just be a rover, and that's fine. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's fine. Exactly. But I mean, Galette, Galette, you could sell me that Galette ends up being a will will Mike down the line. Like yeah. I would be like, yep, I could see that. He's another guy I could see as an edge rusher, right? Like, and and the thing yeah. about Impemba is if if Keon goes somewhere else, then I think Impemba probably moves there. They their thing is if if they have Keon and Impemba, they're going to find ways to get both of them on the field together. Sure, right. Sure. That that's the thing, and so uh, that'll make it very interesting. But yeah, Gillette to me with how long he is and how twitchy he is, he's another guy that on third down I'm putting him at the line of scrimmage. 
I'm having him and Keon and, you know, I mean, he's cause he's a real twitchy kid with some explosiveness. So that's a really interesting group. And of course, as, as Ryan mentioned, you know, we could always talk about Ronan Hannafin being a receiver. That's the other part. We can talk about Samuel and Pemba being a tight end. So there's a whole lot of things that factor into this is my favorite tweet. My favorite so far today from delusional Jack Cone fan. This is awesome. Number one class equals the Jack Cone effect. I love it. I love it. I'm I'm all for it, man. Y'all know I love Jack Cone. That's 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 like it's just like just that's having some fun. We have some fun here. I I love that. I love that. Uh, Brian Schulte says, "Hey guys, wanted to say thanks for all the great content on the board, especially the offensive intel last week. Any idea when the D intel might come out? Good luck with baseball." To Vince, I'll let Vince know that you said that. I just don't have enough to put into a piece right now, and I'm still trying to do some digging to get more defensive intel. So uh, it'll come out when I feel like I have enough to, that makes it worthwhile. I'm hoping to have something here over the next couple of days, but I don't want to promise something that I can't deliver. And so when I, if I can get more intel, I have a little bit, right? And then if we get to spring ball and I haven't added more to it, I'll probably put out what I have. But right now I just don't have enough on defense to put out. I was able to gather a lot more on offense. And so that's why we put that offensive intel feature out last week. And uh, there was a lot of good stuff in there. I, and I was just surprised at how, Ryan, how excited some of the people I've talked to are. Because some of the people I've talked to about the offense are normally naturally pessimistic people. And they were really fired up like really fired up. So it was very interesting to kind of be like, wait a minute, hold on. You said what? Like, okay. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. Cause you don't normally say things like that. Yeah. Florida. And, 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 and Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to, I was just going to say naturally you would have a little more Intel potentially at offense. Cause there's only two offensive commits right now. Right. That's so right. A little That's more. right. And this was <laughs> about the team stuff, the team stuff on yeah. offense. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's funny. Cause like the defensive Intel's on recruiting is about the guys. Like they're already kind of in the class. Offense is about sure. the team. Um, so we'll hopefully get some more. We had some we had some nuggets on the offensive recruiting last week too, because we had a recruiting we had a recruiting thing last week as well, which was interesting. So we had a lot of intel stuff last week. But you know, when I can get some good stuff, because like Ryan, the thing is, I don't like to put stuff out just to have an intel piece that people click on, right? Like it just I want to make sure it's actually it's good. I've been able to get it from multiple people and and just try to make sure things are confirmed and not just like take just one person's view. I try to get stuff from multiple people and I just haven't been able to get enough on defense just yet. Florida Irish, super random question, but do you think there could be a meaningful impact to the vibe on campus based on how the basketball teams played against Rutgers and Alabama? Yes, there can be a meaningful vibe uh, to on campus. Is it a meaningful vibe in that regard, in regards to it influences recruit one way or another? Uh, Probably not, but I mean, if there's energy on campus, kids feel that. Even if they don't really care about Notre Dame's basketball team, they're going to feel that. So, anytime there's energy on campus, I think that's a good thing for recruiting. Sure. I just, you know, I I don't, I don't know how much beating Rutgers is going to impact that. Was on Wednesday, but then going into the next round, like you know, that's the play-in game. Was it the first four? Right, that what they call it? Yeah. And then if you then go beat Bama, who's what the six seed? Bama's mm-hmm. a, Notre Dame's an eleven, right? Good team, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, you it's, go beat Bama. I'll, I'll say this, Brian. Like, I, I actually have been watching a little more college basketball this year. I, I used to be huge when I was younger, and then I kind of fell out of uh, fell out of it for a little bit. But I'll say this, man: if Notre Dame is able to get to Alabama, that's gonna be an interesting game, man. Because Alabama is yeah. very different. Like they uh, they kind of want to run and gun a little bit. I think yeah. Notre Dame's gonna slow the pace that a little yeah. bit. That's an interesting game, man. Interesting matchup. Yeah, you just you just never know what what version of Notre Dame you're gonna get. That's the problem, you know. And so it makes a little bit of a frustrating team to watch, but also at times a really fun team to watch. But 
Yeah, that 11 seed was tough. That was that was like Michigan made it at like 17 and 14. Like what? Yeah. This yep. whatever. Tyree hit the nitro. What receiver who left the roster would you like to have back if you could? Personally, I'd love it if Keys was still in the roster and see what he could do. So I think he's referring to guys that have transferred that still have eligibility remaining. Not like uh Will Fuller. <laughs> you know, but uh Keys is Keys is an interesting one. The the reason I wouldn't go with Keys is because I feel like they already have a lot of slots. Mm-hmm. I'd probably probably look at a bigger guy. Jordan Johnson uh, was the first one that popped in my head. Yeah, I don't know Kevin Austin would be probably. I mean, if I'm going to cheat and kind of take him because even though he went pro, he didn't transfer. Yeah, eligibility left. Yeah, because he said who left the roster. He left the roster. I mean, I'd, I'd go with Kevin Austin. But if you're talking about transfers which is what I think the spirit of the question was, I'd probably still go Jordan Johnson because I feel yeah. like if Jordan Johnson would have stayed at Notre Dame, it would have shown me that he's kind of made some maturity decisions that are good. It's kind of like what I've said about Aaron Lynch. If Aaron Lynch would have stayed at Notre Dame, he would have been a monster in a first-round draft pick. And they say, well, well he he didn't. He, it's because staying at Notre Dame would have meant he did grow up and didn't make the mental mistakes and emotional maturity mistakes that he ended up making that cost him so much, which he still made into his NFL career. If he would have made the right decision and stayed at Notre Dame and grown up, then he would have been special. Cause I mean, he's the most talented defensive lineman I've ever seen in a Notre Dame uniform. I mean, and that includes Justin Tuck that includes, I mean, just, just physical gifts. He's the most gifted lineman I've ever seen in Notre Dame. And it's, and to me, it's Tuck's the only one that's in the same ballpark in my opinion. I mean, he made people not care about Stefan to in 2011. I mean, yeah. think about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just, just, I'm just saying, right. That's how, that's how good he was. But uh, I think that's kind of how I see view, view Jordan. Jordan Johnson, not in the same universe as Aaron Lynch as a prospect. Don't get me wrong. I'm just making the point. Like if he would have made some better decisions, I think it would have resulted in him being a better player at Notre Dame. And he would have helped. So, and they need more of that outside kind of guy, but honestly, to me, Kevin Austin would have been the only one that would have been a needle mover, like a true needle mover for me, in in my opinion, because he's already. I mean, we know what he can do. Gideon Rosa just signed up for the boards for the first time because I had to know about the intel everyone's been talking about. That has me fired up. I, my question would be, which one? The team intel that we put up last week, the recruiting intel that we put up last week. Like we put up some stuff, Gideon. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm really appreciate you signing up. And everybody else, sign up. Boards.irishbreakdown.com. You're missing it out. Missing out if you're not on there. It's all about the boom. If we get Keeley and Pemba, Moore, Tate, and Vernon gets bumped to five star, finally we will have the number one class. I don't see Brennan Vernon getting up to getting bumped up to a five star. Number one, I don't think he's a five star recruit. I definitely think he's a top hundred guy. But I said at the time I didn't think he was a five star recruit. But he's really good. Uh, but now that he's committed to Notre Dame, he's not. If Brendan Vernon wants to go up in the rankings, start floating rumors that he's looking at other schools. That's how you yeah. get bumped up in the rankings. It's going to flip to Ohio State. Uh, exactly. And Alabama's <laughs> coming calling, right? Like, just yeah, float exactly. those rumors to people, even though it's not true, and see what happens to his rankings at that point in time. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it's that it, it's going to take a lot more than that, though. That's the thing that we broke down early in the show. It would take a lot. Like, it's not just about the five stars. I mean, we've seen teams land – three and four, five stars and not finish with top ranked classes. 
it, it's it's got to be a combination of the high level recruits, which are the five stars and the top fifty guys. But Ryan, it also takes you've got to have a lot of top one hundreds and top two fifty guys as well. And I think for me, that's the kind of thing that that I look at and say you have to understand that there's more to it than just the fives. I mean, Penn State last year had three five star recruits and they finished sixth. You know, I mean, so it's going to take it's going to take more than that. Georgia last year had three five 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 star recruits and they finished third mm-hmm. in 2021. Georgia had four five star recruits and they finished fourth. Miami had two five star recruits and they finished 11th. So it, it it can't just be the top level guys. And you know, again, I can I could do this all day. Clemson in 2020 had five five star kids and they finished third that year Oregon had three five-star recruits and they finished 12th right because the problem is they had only seven four stars and 12 three stars so it's always going to be about you have to have the balance and the high level impact it has to be both you can't just have the really good players Ohio State had three five stars in 2008 19 and they finished 14th you know, so again, it has to it has to be a combination of both. You do both, and then you've got a shot. But you also can't be number one without those guys. That's the other flip sure. side, Ryan. Is you can't you not all. get those guys and be number one. You have a better chance of being number one there than you do not getting them and trying to be number one. It's just it's just not going to happen. The way that the mm-hmm. point system is especially set up, Benji, is there a possibility that some guys not even on the radar right now? Uh, see guys like Moore, Tate, Keeling, and Pemba, and somewhat thinking, I want to be a part of that. Yes, Ryan, absolutely. 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 Go ahead. Speak to that one, Ryan, because I no, think we I both just, are on the same page on that. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it's not it's not just a needle mover to the guys on the board, right? Like, it's a national needle mover. Every, Dante Moore is a five-star national player. Like, this is substantial. So, Guys that Notre Dame is maybe offered that, that maybe they haven't had, you know, the best as far as interaction, as far as, you know, getting within the top leaders. I think it will resonate with them. I think players that Notre Dame is, you know, I, I think that there's going to be feedback from all over the place. I don't, I don't think that this is just a, this is, oh, just for Cornell Tate. This is just for this one player. It's just for this two play. Like, I think that this is going to resonate across the landscape. And not only that, other teams are going to take notice too. Obviously, other programs are going to take notice. This is this is a this is a needle mover in all sense of the word needle mover. All right, let's get to the next one. Irishman seven one one four. To me, the class will be defined by close by closing and getting Dante Moore, Cornell Tate, Samuel Pemmet, and Jason Moore. Assuming we get every, keep everyone else that we have, would you say that's fair? Uh, <laughs> Fair to a degree. I mean, yeah. To a degree, yeah. I mean, there's no offensive lineman in there. Sure. I, I just can't get one. Like, if it's Cardinal Tate and then a bunch of okay guys, that that that's not moving the needle for me. It's got to be Cardinal and Braylon James and a Rodney Gallagher, right? Like, you've got to have some offensive linemen in there, right? You've need you. There's not. I need to see another DB in there, right? Like they they've got to get one more good DB, right? But to a degree, I mean, you're close, Irishman. You're close. It's just. It, it can't ever – like sometimes that's what I think sometimes we focus on. Like, well, they got this great player. But, yeah, the, the guys with them aren't any good, though, right? So, you know, if you get Cardinal Tate and the, the, the three other okay receivers, like when you're playing Bama in a few years and Tobias Merriweather's gone and he's in the NFL now, it's like, 
okay, well, there's going to triple team or double team Cardinal Tate and say, we dare you to beat us with Daniel Smith or, you know, John Goodman or something like that, right? Like you need to make sure that it's who, who you got to, you want to put teams in a pick your poison scenario. That's what made Ohio state so good. Who, who do you want to not get beat by? So you go into the bowl game and Utah's like, we're not going to let this guy beat us. And so somebody else steps up and has a big day or you go into a game. We're not going to let Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave beat us. Okay. So Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to lead them in receptions and catches and receiving yards last year. You know what I mean? Like, that's the that's where you want to be. Okay, you want to take Devontae Smith out. First of all, that's harder to you know than you think, but that means John Mechie is going to have. I, I've shared this story before. I you know when I was at Duquesne, we had three great receivers, and there was a game where we had a kid it was a burner. They, and they we were playing. I think it was can't remember St. Peter's maybe I forget who it was, but they basically said we're not going to let Yard and Brantley beat us. So they put a nickel or they put like a slot guy, a corner, and a safety over Yard and wherever he went. Well, we figured this out after like two or three series. Like, so if we put them in the boundary, they put those two guys on top of them. We put them in the slot, they put those two guys. It was the stupidest thing I've ever saw. So what we started doing is manipulate. We'd put the yard in where we wanted to have the double team, and we would go ISOs over here. You know what I mean? Like, but you want to put teams in that kind of quandary where who are you going to try to take out? Got to take somebody out. Can't let all three of them beat you. And I think that's where it's got to be. It can't just be Carnell. It's got to be Carnell and Braylon and Gallagher and Greathouse or Elsie or whoever else. It's got to be a deep, deep class. Uh, to me, that's where – that's where it's got to be. Yeah. Uh, Matt D says EJ Holland is finally starting to become very, very concerned that Notre Dame may be a real threat to get Dante Moore. Um, I'm just going to say this: I, I don't care to speak to him a whole lot, but he's always known that. He just was doing that stuff for clickbait. He's not that stupid, and he's not that bad at his job that he just now came around to the reality that Notre Dame is a major player. It's called clickbait. Except he doesn't say stupid things, so people react to it and he gets attention, and they click on the stories. Simple as that. It's a really easy act to see through. Uh, but he didn't. he's not just now coming around. He's just now telling you that he's coming around. <laughs> That's the difference. Uh, Jay Wiki Jr., if we get Cardinal Tate, does this also help us getting Dante, like how we assumed it would help us getting Tate if we get Dante? So I, I don't see any scenario in which Cardinal Tate commits before Dante Moore. That's no. what I was about to say. I, th- I think I think that we will have a decision on Dante before we have a decision right. on Carnell. Yeah, that's and for people that join late, we don't think because the other thing is you, you kids don't usually tweet out when when a kid has not put a top list out and he says big news coming. First thing you do, so here's a little trick for y'all. First thing you do when a kid tweets out big news is coming is look see who he tagged in it. So in the one in Carnell, for example, he tagged Hayes Fawcett. That means Hayes Foss is putting an edit together for his top group, right? So then you next, so that's one thing. But then you look and say, has this kid put out a top list before? More often than not, if a kid is going to let everyone know that a big thing is coming, he's already put out a top list. So normally in those instances, when he says big news coming, it's 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 a, a ranking. I, I'll be shocked if Cardinal Tate doesn't commit on TV or something. Like that's the other thing is like it's not going to be like a oh, by the way, I'm just going to drop a commitment tomorrow. He's going to be on CBS Sports or ESPN or something else like that. Same with Dante Moore. Dante's not going to, I don't think, is he's going to randomly randomly put a, a tweet out, oh, by the way, I've committed to such and such. It's going to be, I think, public. And so that's the other part of it. I, I just don't see a scenario in which – and the other thing, too, is Dante Moore is a is – a, or excuse me, Cardinal Tate is a social media savant, in my opinion. He knows how to manipulate – buzz about him and i and i say that as a as, with the utmost 
respect and in complimentary fashion. There's no way he tweets, I'm going to Notre Dame tomorrow, and then tweets, big news coming, and he's going to commit somewhere, right? It's going to be a top list. And so we expect it to be a top three, which it, any of you that were on the message board or on the Notre Dame message board already knew that this was coming. Around the time, what, we, what Sean reported was around the time that he makes his visit to Notre Dame, you can also expect a, a, a top three to come out. So just, Ryan, it's another reason you got to be on the message board, right? Just got to sign up for the message board, man. Sign up. It's four ninety nine a month or $49.99 a year, which makes it less than four ninety. If you sign up for an annual membership, it makes it less than four ninety nine a month. And we don't have to offer you a deal. Other people are offering like 50% off just to get down to our rate. But when that 50% goes away and the promo is over, you're back up to paying twice as much for that content. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Ethan Bodner, this is a good question, Ryan. And we've talked about this in the past, but I want you to answer it again. And mm-hmm. and see, because I think you and I are going to be on the same page. If we if if we Notre Dame were to lose to Ohio State in the opener, would that hurt our chances with the northern guys in the future or not? So, look, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of momentum. Football, in my opinion, is a game of momentum and recruiting is a game of momentum as well. Right. There is momentum that is being built. Everyone is excited about what Coach Freeman is doing on the recruiting trail and they are excited about what he can do at Notre Dame. And that's why we are seeing the the, the quick turnaround to the number one class by multiple recruiting platforms for 2023. That's why you're saying because he is using that momentum to kill it on the recruiting trail with his staff that is happening. Right. So if they go to Ohio States in the shoe and they have a bad showing, I know it says lose. So lose could be by one point, two points, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But let's say that they do not have a great showing against Ohio state. I believe it will stall momentum slightly, right? Like mm-hmm. for a second, you'll be like, okay. And some, some te- players are going to think, right. The recruits are going to think and they're going to be like, Oh, maybe take a second look here or maybe I should slow this process down or whatever it might be. Like there's going to be some thought process there, but long-term, I don't think that it's going to be the end all be all because it's one football Mm -hmm. game, right? It's the beginning of a process. So I do think that it would have some stalling momentum type of aspects to it, but I don't think that it would be an absolute killer. There's, but it, I mean, honestly, players want to see the product. They want to see how they play. So it is going to have some stay power in that sense. Yes. Agree with you completely. They can't lose in an ugly fashion. That That's the thing. It's like, to me, we've talked about this before. Clemson giving taking Alabama down to the wire in 2015 played a big role in, in creating a lot of positive momentum for that program. Because it was like, hey, we can go toe-to-toe with them. Let's go out there next year and do it. It was, all, it was on the recruiting trail, and it was also uh, when you look at just the vibe of the team the vibe of the program. So yes, I do believe that a, a win obviously is a huge needle mover, huge needle mover. But your question was more about, well, what if, what if they, what if they lose, if they lose in a four quarter battle, it to me, it doesn't stall momentum at all because you're going to Ohio state. No one expects you to go to Ohio state and beat them. Right. If you give them everything you can handle, it's like, Hey, you know what? This is why we need you. Because when they come back to our house next year and we got you with us, these cats don't have a chance. That's a great recruiting pitch. They have out-recruited us every single year for how long, and we just went to their place and took them down to the wire with a brand-new starting quarterback. You know, that's the key. I'll say this, though. you have If you're going to lose to Ohio State in that fashion, you have to beat Clemson. 
have to be Clemson. You can't lose to both of them. You can't. And and so that would be the other part is is that would hurt that would stall the momentum in my opinion. If you lose to both of those teams next year, it would absolutely stall the momentum in my opinion. Guinea pig clips. Does Dante does landing Dante more affect Julian saying is he patient enough to sit on the bench that long? Well, number one, I don't I don't think it necessary. I mean, if Julian saying is a competitor, he's not going to assume he's going to sit the bench. Number one, right. number two, could it affect him? Sure, I mean it could affect him, but look. Julian saying say, is saying all the things he's saying now about Notre Dame, knowing that they're going to get, you know, a top quarterback. I mean, they're, you know, the, the rumblings are you're either going to get Dante Moore, Chris Vizina, you know, that kind of thing. So most great players are, are com- good competitors. I've also said in the past that it's hard to get five-star players and a quarterback in back-to-back years. So it, it could make it challenging, but I mean, the kid seems to like Notre Dame a lot. I, I don't think, however, he's necessarily the guy at quarterback for Notre Dame in that class. I think there's other guys they like as much, if not more, in that class as well. Matt D with a super chat. Matt, thank you so much. He says, it's good to be back here. What position do you see getting a commit at next? My guess is O-line. We're, yeah, we already talked about mm-hmm. – I think both of us kind of agreed that maybe Charles Jagasaw might be the next commit, mm-hmm. so that would make it offensive line in that sense. Yeah. he He's kind of a different cat. Like, I could see him just not committing because he just doesn't – you know, just not really in, fully engaged in the recruiting process yet, and I could see him committing tomorrow. I mean, it just—I think Notre Dame's in a really, really good position there. Uh, Matt also says to make sure that you hit the like buttons, share, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you never miss a live show. Join the IB message boards; it's worth the money, and you don't get crystal balls; you get legit information. He's not wrong, Ryan. He's <laughs> not wrong. Um, not wrong. <laughs> appreciate you, Matt. Guinea pig clips. What description best fits Dante? A, Notre Dame is in the mix, but there's a long way to go. B, Notre Dame is in the lead, but Dante wants to visit other schools before committing. Uh, can I throw a C up there? I was about I to mean, say, can we throw another option? <laughs> yeah. If those are the two options, it's B. I, I think Notre Dame is in the lead, but yes, I there were some other visits he's had planned that I think he wants to make, but uh, one of them he's already made. That was LSU, but yes, I definitely not a that no no as i said in i think last week ryan i will be surprised if dante moore is not committed somewhere by the end of april agree i'm very surprised yep yeah i I would definitely uh guinea pig i would definitely like to add a c to that one but out of these two i would 100 say b Notre dame is is definitely in the lead in my opinion for dante moore got a couple peyton bowen questions Mo no lure. What do you think the factors are that affecting Bowen's wavering on his Notre Dame commitment? Who do you replace him with if necessary? And then timeout Tom asks, is NIL money the bottom line? Why Peyton Bowen continues to look at other colleges? I want to answer that one first. No, that's not the reason he's looking around. Uh, Back to this question, Ryan, what do you think are the factors that are most affecting his uh, Peyton Bowen wavering on his commitment? I mean, I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, one, he's a Texas kid coming all the way up north, right? I mean, I think that that's a big conversation. His quarterback is now going to Oklahoma, right? The Jackson Arnold thing. I don't know if that's a huge point of emphasis for why you know the conversation might be happening, but I mean, honestly, it's just becoming more of a consistent thing across the board. Like commitments, I think, just think aren't as big a deal as they used to be, right? Like at the time, he loved Notre Dame. He committed to Notre Dame, and I still think he loves Notre Dame, but I think that he's just kind of been very open to the process that, like, this isn't just because I committed, made a verbal commitment, doesn't mean that it's the end-all, be-all. Like, I'm still allowed to take my visits. I'm still allowed Mm -hmm. to do my due diligence. I'm still allowed to do my homework. So, 
I think he's mostly just playing the process. I mean, I would like that if I would like that it would be a little firmer if you make a commitment, right? But I can't blame the kid for doing what he's doing. He didn't mm-hmm. sign paperwork. He didn't sign on the dotted line. He's do he's doing all that good thing. So I think there's a few different factors, and I think the proximity and just kind of playing the process are probably the two biggest things. For yeah, me. I think the quarterback relationship is a big one because I think right now the school I'm most concerned with is Oklahoma. Sure. And look, sometimes kids get caught up in the moment. They get caught up in the moment. They make a commitment. I think sometimes these kids get talked into making a commitment, not even just by schools, but by services that pe- people, you know, networks that want them to do it on their their TV channel. You know, and that's the reality of it. And we know that people talk and kids into waiting to do it at an All Star game. We know that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of factors, but look, sometimes circumstances change, right? And just, Hey, I was feeling Notre Dame, but man, I just, you know, my buddy's committed to Oklahoma. Now my, you know, my brother's been offered by this school or that school or just, and I, and I just really want to make sure. And and I also think Peyton Bones are really smart. If you ever talk to him, he's a really smart, thoughtful kid. And I think he's in a situation like this is a big decision and I want to make sure it's the right one. Now my wish would be that you just don't commit in the first place, but it, it is what it is. I just think it's about wanting to make sure he's made the right choice. And I think Brian Smith is correct that it's more a commitment is more like, okay, we've established who the leader is in this instance, as opposed to, okay, this kid's not going anywhere. And look, my, my, my honest opinion is I wish when kids made a commitment, they, they, that, 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 that commit was honored, which means don't make it till you know where you want to go. Right. But at the same time, as you said, they haven't signed anything on the dotted line. You know, and, and they're going into a school where the the odds of a kid playing for a position coach for four years now are way lower than they were 10 years, 10, 15 years ago. And you almost have to assume that you're not going to play for the position coach that you're going to play for at college. I mean, that's that's how bad it's getting, right? And so if these kids need to take some time to figure it out, I don't care. All I ask, all I ask from these young men is just be upfront and honest with your coaches to let them know what's going on, right? Just because they don't always let you know what's going on, don't double the mistake and just, hey, look, Notre Dame, here's where I'm at. I want to visit these schools, and this is where I'm at, and it's all good. And just be upfront about it, as you would want them to be with you, right, if they're recruiting another kid at your position. I just wish I wish we, I wish we demanded more honesty from people. That's my big thing. Uh, but it's hard for me to hold a 16-, 17-, accountable for not being – up for an honest and I'm not saying Peyton's doing that. I'm saying that's what the expectation would be when we can't get coaches to be upfront and honest about things. So that's a, a different issue for a different day. A couple more Demetrius Rex. Does Dante Moore have a visit date locked in to visit? He doesn't have one locked in to visit yet, but we right as of right now, the expectation is that he will be on campus on uh, March 26th, but it's not set in stone yet. That's, that's the target date as of right now. Guinea pig clips. How often do coaches talk about how good of a strength conditioning program Notre Dame has while recruiting constantly? If there was one topic that's not directly related to the position that they talk about the most, I would argue that that would be it, that the strength conditioning program would be it even just as much, if not more, even than the academic piece. I think, I think that's a big, a big one. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, 
the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ethan O'Connor asked, uh, thought about this yesterday. Does Tobias Merriweather remind you of Equinemius St. Brown? In some ways, in some ways, I think Tobias is is a little bit more of a fluid athlete than, than Equinemius. Equinemius is longer. I mean, he's very long. There, there are some similarities to their game, Ryan. I don't know if I would say that there's a lot other than the fact they're both kind of tall. I think, yeah. I think, I think Equinemius was more of a boundary guy. I think Tobias is more of a field guy. He's a guy that can do more after the catch. Equinemius mm-hmm. was more in the 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 line of now he can he can do more after the catch than like a Miles Boykin, but he was more like a Chase Claypool Boykin type in that his work was being done up to the ca- the, the the catch point. Uh, yeah. But to me, Tobias is just a, a better version. If they are similar, he's just a better version in my view. I, and I like DQ coming out. He was a he was a top hundred guy for me, top one hundred to one twenty five guy for me. Tobias is 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 a top fifty guy for me. But mm-hmm. I just th- I think their games are a little different. I think to I think at the same age, I feel like e- Equinemius was a little bit better at winning those contested throws, where yeah. Tobias is a more advanced route runner than mm-hmm. than Equinemius was. But size wise, there's some similarities. But other than that, I there that's not that wouldn't be the first. Comp- comparison that i would make for no. tobias thoughts on that ryan yeah no i think when you're comparing them to uh those two i, I would say equinemius was he was much more vertical player right like he could win down the field with just pure speed he was going to stay on a vertical third he wasn't an incredibly flexible guy while i think tobias is the complete opposite like i think that that kid mm-hmm. is a legitimate route runner he can get in and out of breaks i think that his route tree is going to be a little more extensive than EQs in, in that sense. And I think that he can also do some things when you talk about alignment versatility, like I think he can line up inside outside a little more than EQ. Like I think EQs, I consider EQ very kind of traditional Green Bay Packer, which makes sense because that's the team that valued him so high, right? Like you're going to play him outside the numbers and he's going to work vertical to back shoulder. Like that's kind of what I, I see with Equinemius St. Brown. Mm-hmm. Yep. Actually, I, you know, Brian, I, it's kind of weird. Like, I mean, so his younger brother, Amin Ra, is much shorter. But, like, stylistically, I think him and Tobias are a lot more similar, if that makes sense, because he's more of a yeah. route runner, technician yeah. type of player. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'd say Osiris was closer to Tobias, too. Not nearly as talented, sure. but just stylistically was probably closer as well. Uh, he's sure. the often overlooked uh, member of that that trio. Yeah, that's a good observation, because there are some things he can do after the catch that I think are similar to what Tobias can do after the catch as well. Yeah, it's a really good observation. Because a lot of times we look at games and say, well, let me find someone who's similarly sized. It's not always the case, right? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Alex B. asks about Jaden Lamar and Justice Haynes. Ryan, you're up. Yep. Um, so I'm getting actually with Jaden Lamar today. I would say that I last time I talked to Jaden, I thought there was, good, there was interest there for sure, but – 
you know, it is now obviously with the changing from Lance Taylor to coach McCullough, that was a little bit of a transitional period because Jaden Lamar really, really liked coach Taylor. He liked him a lot because mm-hmm. he liked his background as a running back and receiver coach. Cause Jaden's kind of that all purpose type of back. So he really liked that, that type of profile have to catch up with him and see what the recent recent of him is. Um, I would say Justice Haynes, it's just a pipe dream at this point, in my opinion. You know, I think that he's going to end up at Georgia. Most likely his father's from Georgia. He's been to Georgia many times. He's very vocal about liking Georgia. Um, I'd say it's a Georgia, maybe Clemson might get into that conversation, but I, I don't think, I don't see envision Justice Haynes being a role player for mm-hmm. Notre Dame. I think Jaden Lamar likes Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame likes Jaden Lamar. I'm a long way away from thinking Notre Dame's his leader or anything like that. I, I, I think let's see him get back on campus first and see how that goes. And like you said, start to develop that, develop that relationship. A couple more we'll get to here. Uh, Some good questions here that, that I want to get to number one, Guinea pig clips. Ryan and I were talking about this before the show. Do you guys still think Keon Keeley stays with Notre Dame? Personally, I do, but I want to know what you guys have to say. Yes. Yes. I, I, I mean, I've talked to Brian about this many times (laughs) like that just recently, right? Like I, I have not wavered one bit from Keon Keeley being in the Notre Dame class. I, again, Coach Elson leaves, defensive lineman that was already committed, takes his visits. I, mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, man, like the guy that you were talking to had, had been there for a long time, all of a sudden is out of the picture, had been your main recruiter, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that, I mean, for a second there, you got to. Like, and you felt his coaching spot. style really fit with your game. That's exactly. the other thing. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, there there has to be some context to why Keon Keeley was feeling the way he did. And I think people have to understand that a little more. That being said, Keon Keeley handles his business like he is a Notre Dame dude, right? Like he right. is a Notre Dame commit. You see him active, actively recruiting. You see him actively on there, you know, put put in the 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 uh, the uh, clover up there on, on social media. Like he mm-hmm. acts like a Notre Dame commit. He's going to be back on campus for the spring game. I am not worried about Keon Keeley being in the class. I think that he is firmly committed to Notre Dame. And he's been up front. I mean, he's been up front with Notre Dame about everything he's going to do. I've, I've been told that Keon is – they knew he was going to visit Bama. They knew he was going to go to Florida. They Like, he's been very upfront with them. And kids like – when I get nervous is when a kid stops talking to the staff. That's when I get a little bit nervous. Like, the first red flag I had about Peyton Bowen was when I found out the staff didn't know he was taking that first visit to Oklahoma. You just kind of try to sneak on campus. You can't do that really anymore because someone's going to find out and someone's going to tweet about it and someone's going to have it on a message board or something like that. Uh, you know, you just it, you just can't do that, right? And so when a kid's like kind of like, I don't want them to know I'm doing this, that's a big red flag for me. From everything we've been told so far, Keon has not been that. He's been – and that says a lot about Keon too. Like it says a lot about why – another reason why I think he's such a Notre Dame kid. And, and – Peyton Bowen is a – Brian Smith said this in the, his, his intel piece. That's a Notre Dame kid in every style of, of the of – the, that you can think of. It's just now up to Marcus Freeman and his staff to convince him that he's a Notre Dame kid. Where Keon's already convinced, I just think with Keon it's about, okay, do I really want to go away from the South? And Keon hasn't been on campus in a long time, right? It's been a while since he's been on campus. So I, I think as long as he gets back on campus again, I'm, I'm not concerned about, about him, to be honest with you. Uh, at this point in time, couple more, uh, Michael Parks. I just had to get in there. Irish breakdown is the best. I appreciate that very, very much. Uh, and Andre Neely says, Phil Pachati, the big linebacker from Pennsylvania. Is he visiting Andre? They are now off of recruiting Phil Pachati. 
Uh, once they got pressed, they basically came down to, do we push for Phil Pachotti or do we take Preston Zinter? The staff like Preston Zinter better. Uh, they like his upside better, I should say. So they mm-hmm. decided to take him. And once they took him, they called off the visit for Pachotti that was scheduled for, he had one scheduled, uh, I'm trying to remember, he had a visit scheduled that they kind of canceled and they're not recruiting yeah. him anymore. So all the guys they're recruiting now are like Rover to Will types. Pachotti is a Mike and they've, they've already got a mic in this class in their view in uh in Preston Center. So that one uh that one is is done. Michael Campbell says Tobias Merriweather is is to T Higgins is is similar to T Higgins when he was at Clemson. That's been my comp from day 1 for me. Style of play wise, body type, athleticism, although I think Tobias is faster than T was. But that has been my comp from day 1 is he reminds me a lot of T Higgins. Now Ryan made the face he made cuz Ryan doesn't like T Higgins very much. But for me, I love T Higgins and uh I think that's probably the guy cuz I viewed T as a field guy, not so much a boundary guy. Uh but I think I think Tobias is actually a little more athletic than T and I think T's bigger than Tobias was. Uh mm-hmm. but I think their games are very very similar in my opinion, very, because T-, T was a four, five, nine guy or something like that at this pro day, four, five, seven, or something like that. He wasn't a burner, yeah. but no. he's, he's, he's a really good football player. And that's, that's how I see him. Thoughts on that, Ryan. Yeah. No, I, I, I just think of my Merriweather a little more of a flexible route runner than T that's all. But I, I yeah. see some comparisons as far as I, like, the, I agree with that body, yeah. body composition. Like they have similar frames and mm-hmm. he's a little, T was a little taller, but like they kind of have that like lean looking frame mm-hmm. and they kind of, they kind of sneak up on you, man. Like they might not be the fastest time 40 dudes, but like they just kind of gain, gain mm-hmm. some separation on you out of nowhere. So I, I, I definitely get some parts of it for sure. It's like with T, the funny thing is I had a buddy of mine. He's like, you know, T really wasn't a big play guy at Clemson. And I'm thinking, uh, you sure about that, buddy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he averaged like 20 yards a catch. Exactly. And that was the thing. He was like, you know, it just struck me. As, and I'm like, dude, he averaged 20.3 yards as a catch as a freshman. He averaged 19.8 yards per catch as a, <laughs> as a junior. His down year was, in, was as a sophomore when he averaged 15.9 yards per catch. I mean, yeah. He may not be the traditional big play guy because he's not a 4-4, but as we've said a million times, you don't have to be a 4-4 to be a big play guy. And I think Tobias is going to be another guy that's going to prove uh, prove, prove that to be the case. Got two, We're going to get to two more here. And uh, we've got three more questions I want to get to here, okay? We're going to get two more, and then uh, and then we have, we have a – there's only one way we can end with this. Uh, Quinn Kibler, the artist formerly known as Q-Kibbs, Says Brian and Ryan, what coach not named Freeman would you want to be your main recruiter if you were one of these guys? It's a good question. It's a good question. I feel like I need time to think about that one too. Um, I, for me, it would be Harry Heestand because for me, I'm an I'm a no fluff guy. I want to talk ball. Ryan knows I don't talk about anything except football. Really, uh, Harry would be the, my kind of guy. Hey, coach, what's up? Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about what happened. Let's talk about technique. Let's talk about. I mean. I don't need you to tell me I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. I don't need you to, you know, kiss my booty all the time. I don't need you to, you know, get hot girls on campus when I'm there. I, I want to talk ball, right? That's where I'm at. And I feel like Coach Eastan would be the guy um, that that would be really who I want to see. Like, because I feel like he'd be the least fluffy, and that just fits my personality type better. So, just for me personally, probably be here. He's saying now, I wouldn't want to play offensive line. 
<laughs> you know I mean? So, I mean, so just for me personally, it would be Tommy Reese because that means they recruited me as a quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. But well, that's, stylistically, that's my, be Coach he stand. That's where my mind went, though, because I played linebacker and a little defensive end. So my immediate thought was maybe Al Washington. I mean, he's had pretty mm-hmm. good track record on both areas of that coin. So mm-hmm. that would probably be my pick. I mean, Harry, for just the conversation and talking ball, right, because he just knows mm-hmm. obviously the game inside and out. But let's go Coach Washington because that means my uh, Notre Dame dreams of playing linebacker have been, mm-hmm. uh, been up to date here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you want to play linebacker Notre Dame, then you'd want to talk to Al Golden, correct? Well, that's true. That's true. But, you know, I'm kind of a hybrid, you know, Brian. I'm okay. I got you. I got you. play some Viper, you know. I got so. you. I got you. So, we're, so yeah, see, because I'm saying you're from Jersey, so that would be Coach Golden's area. I think your sure. dreams might get dashed. I think you might have to deal with Coach Golden. I, um, I did like Coach Golden when he was at Temple, man. I was yeah. a big Al Golden fan, so I can yeah. dig it. I can dig He's it. A Jersey guy. <laughs> I just had to mess with you a little bit. Uh, guinea Pig Clips, can you rank our chances of landing the offensive lineman? Uh, so we'll just go kind of one by one, Ryan, and we'll yeah. just say how we feel. Like, is you know, is it, it we feel good about it, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. Uh, just briefly, number one, Charles Jagasaw. That one, so, everyone kind of feel knows. very good, very good yeah. about that one. Yep, Monroe Freeling. I feel good about that one. I, I'm Freeling good, Freeling good. You're Freeling good. You're Ryan's Freeling really That's, good about I, Monroe. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a T-shirt with Freeling yeah. good on it. Freeling good. You better give that kid some of the proceeds and NIL money. Don't be like no like all these other colleges, right? I'll message him, man. He'll be good. There you go. There you go. I, I dig it. Uh, would you argue? Would you say that they lead for the first two? Would you be go so? Would you go so? We obviously Jagasaw. Would you go so far as to say they lead for Monroe Freeling? Yes, yes, I would. You Freel, they're the leader. Okay. I, I all right. Freel, they're the leader. Uh, Samson Okanlola. I would say the word for Samson is indifference. I don't know how to feel mm-hmm. with him because it's just you don't have enough information, man. He keeps everything close to the vest, and it's mm-hmm. just who knows. Has I he visited anywhere take... so far this spring? I don't think I don't think so. Because he didn't time go I anywhere in the winter because he was wrestling, right? I, I talked to him last week, and I, I just hit him up this morning. Actually, I mean, he said that he was still finalizing things late last week, so I don't think he's visited anywhere yet. Yeah, so. and and I'm and I'm pretty sure wrestling kept him from going anywhere in the winter. Correct. Yes, I don't yep, think he no. went anywhere during the winter. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's exactly I, just uh, unknown. I mean, I, yeah. I don't. That's why we don't feel great about it. That's why we didn't have him projected. Everything about him screams Notre Dame kid, but For until sure. he feels that, it doesn't really matter. Um, so, and that's why I think him and he stand are going to really connect because Samson just strikes me as a kind of kid that just, dude, let's just what what what's your plan? What's your plan for me? Right? Like we don't need to need, don't need you to talk to me about my girlfriend or. You know, all that you just, I just, well, let's talk ball. I could be wrong on that, but I just, that's why I kind of feel like they're going to commit, they're going to connect really well. Mm-hmm. Chase Basantis. No, yeah. I, I don't I, see that. I haven't, one. I, I, see that one. I haven't felt that good from that one from the beginning, my first time yeah. speaking to him. I bet he ends up at Rutgers. I don't know why. That's just something crazy something like that. Something yeah. about it. Yeah. Something yeah. about it, man. Wants to be it's a my... big fish in a small pond kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's going to, I don't know where he's going to end up. I just know it's not going to be Notre Dame, at least as of right now. I just I don't see that one. Uh, Sullivan Absher. I feel solid about that one. I don't know if I would say good because I use good for freely. I feel solid. I think they're in a, a good place, but I wouldn't call them a leader right now. Mm-hmm. So Jagasaw, we think they lead. Freeling at worst, they're in the top two with Clemson. Oak and yeah. Lola, they're in the game, but I don't know if he has a lead group. And if I had to, if I had to guess, I'd say at best they're third right now behind mm-hmm. Ohio State and Georgia. 
Basantis, I don't think they're in. They're they're not getting him. And then Absher, you'd say he. They're if you had to rank, they're probably in this top five, six, right? Probably sure. they're in the game, yeah. but there's a lot of work to be done. So yeah. that so is it. if and we then, were rank, if we were rank, if we were ranking the board, I would just say Jagasov, Reeling, Absher, Okanola, Basantis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is there anyone on there that we should that should have been asked about that you think Notre Dame's going to be in the ball game for? Um, I mean, I guess Saraveld would be one from Ohio, right? Like, they, I think they're in the ballpark if they want to be in the ballpark with him. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think of anybody else. Oh, um, the the kid from Arizona, the um, the pinnacle Elliot kid. Page. El- Elliot, yeah, El- Elijah Page. Elijah. Elijah Page. Page. Yep. 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 I think yep. they're in the ball. They'll be in the ballpark with him too. I think. I think if he visits in the spring, they'll have a really good shot there. Really good shot there. He seemed – I've never seen a kid that fired up about getting offered by Notre Dame and Harry Heastan. Like, it's been a while. So, that one I feel good about. But I need to see how – that doesn't mean he's going to get to campus and love it, right? That's why I was going to say. I got to see a kid get to campus. Uh, we're going to going to do one more. Just popped up. Uh, this Chris B., Kyler Casper uh, no longer seems like an option. Was that him or us? Hitting Notre Dame. I love our recent tradition of these bigger receivers with speed and long wingspans. Love – for those big receivers to feel Notre Dame is home. I love Kyler Casper as a player and Notre Dame likes him a lot too. Him not being Notre Dame, not being a player for him is more of him than it is Notre Dame. They, they, they would absolutely push for him if they thought he was interested at all. And they, they're still trying to recruit him, but he's not, he's not very interested in Notre Dame. So that's more of a him than it is a Notre Dame thing. And then the last question, this is a great way to end from Andrew Freer. What is Dante Moore's ceiling? Cause we had an interesting debate about this, or not this debate, there's kind of a discussion about this when we were when we did the quarterback breakdown, where it, some people argue that when you just talk about NFL, that maybe Chris Vizina has a higher ceiling. And I'm sympathetic to that argument, although I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, so yeah. I, 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 this is a this is an interesting debate, especially for Dante. What is your take on that? And I'll and I'll finish things off with mine. I mean, from a college perspective, I think multi-year starter. I think he's going to win a lot of football games during his college career. And I think that he could be down the road, maybe when he's a junior, a Heisman contender. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's very possible, right? So I think that's from a college perspective. From an NFL perspective, there's no reason to think that this kid is developed properly with the tools that he has, that he could be a top 10 type of mm-hmm. quarterback like that. I don't think it's right. unreasonable. So right. I, I think I think very highly of Dante Moore, to uh, say the least. Yep. For me, I mean, I think he has everything you look for in a modern quarterback. Leadership, super accurate from a ball placement standpoint, in my opinion. Can make all types of off-platform throws. And there's stuff on film where it's like he's got both feet off the ground as he's about to get hit, throwing a ball on a comeback route. I mean, it's just it's silly. He's got a lot of confidence, but it's not a a confidence that can be distracting. It's not a confidence that, that that gets to the point where it like it it alienates him from his teammates, or is creates a scenario like a Johnny Manziel where you're like that dude is gonna is gonna implode at some point in time, right? Like it's a genuine confidence how he plays. Like there's there's like the Baker Mayfield confidence where it's like almost like he's convincing himself that he's good, you know. And then there's just the the Josh Allen confidence where he doesn't really talk a lot. He just goes out there. And I think Pat, I put Pat Mahomes in this in the Josh Allen category as well, where they're just they, they play confident. They don't need to tell you how great they are. They're gonna just go show it 
you know, on Sundays and, and on Saturdays in college. So I, I think he's got that. I think he's got a charisma about him where he's just a guy that people follow. I think that's very important for a great quarterback. And I think he's got great tools. I mean, the only thing I'd say about him is his body's not like – he doesn't have like – I think the reason a lot of people think, think Chris Vazine is going to be better is because he's got the you know the prototype NFL body, and that's true. You know, Dante's 6'1 and a half, 6'2", 6'5 uh, with the hair. Uh, you know, and, and he's, he's kind of, if you look at him, he's like, he's not real defined. He's kind of got like, just like an eh body, but he's a good athlete. And that's part of the reason I think he's going to be so good is because when you get that kid in the, in the Notre Dame weight room, he's going to, and, and I think Dante's got a stronger arm than people give him credit for because they, Ryan, I know we've both seen game film. They ask him to throw a million short throws. Like it almost gets the point where like, dude, let him, let him, let it rip, please. Cause when mm-hmm. he throws the deep ball, it's beautiful. I just don't let him do it a whole lot. And I think that kind of maybe why people view him as like a – people view him as a high – I think the reason he's considered a five-star right now is because people think he has a super high floor. That's why I think people view him as a as a five-star. I think people are missing the boat a little bit on a ceiling. That's, that's what I think. And I saw – somebody sent me one analysis of somebody saying like he's not a real athletic guy. And I'm like, just because he doesn't run doesn't mean he's not an athlete. Like – Anyone that says that, A, didn't watch a sophomore film, and B, doesn't understand what athleticism is in relation to being a quarterback. So I didn't, I didn't, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. But I think his ceiling is of an elite college football player. I don't really, I don't really look at the NFL. That's Ryan's thing. I, I, I don't, I don't rank a kid based on like rivals does based on what his NFL projection is. That has nothing to do with the kind of college player he's going to be. And but for me, I mean, I, I think he can be an elite college football player. You know, like Ryan said, uh, eventually a Heisman Trophy kind of guy. Is he a Trevor Lawrence? Is going to be that as a freshman or a sophomore? I mean, uh, no. You know, Bryce Young. It, let's be honest. If Bryce Young would have had the season he had at any other school than Bama, or Georgia, Ohio State, he's not a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, he had a great year, but it's like a lot of guys put up those numbers. He put those numbers up at Bama, so you know he's going to win the Heisman. Um, I didn't think he was the best quarterback in college football last year. He just was the best quarterback at one of the big schools, right? Um, but next year, Bryce Young is going to be a legit Heisman player to me. And I think we saw that in the championship game. He could not put that team on his shoulders and lead them to victory. When they lost the other receivers, he couldn't do it. Next year, if that happens, I think Bryce Young is going to be in a position where he can do that, in my opinion. Right. And, and so I think that's the difference. And so that's why I say third year guy. Yes, I think he can be that. And that, that's the, I mean, people like comps, that's the comp for me. It's Bryce Young. I mean, that, that's the comp for me. They're very similar body types. Dante's bigger, very similar arms, uh, great ball placement, great feel for the game, great leadership, high character, all that stuff. And, um, you know, I think Dante Moore is, can be that kind of player. There's no, there's no, there's nothing about him that makes me say, gee, I'm not sure if he, there's nothing about his game where I'm like, I don't know if he can do that. I mean, that's the big thing is I, I don't know what the holes are. And to me, to be an elite quarterback, that's what you need to be. You need to, that's why I don't view Nico as an elite quarterback. That's why I think Malachi and Dante are significantly better than Nico because Nico's got great physical tools, but there's a lot of holes in his game. And to be a five-star quarterback, I, I, I think you need a guy with few or no holes. And that's how I see Dante. I don't know. Do you agree with that last part, Ryan, about just the, the lack of just looking at it from a college standpoint? just the lack of holes in this game, or do you see some things that you would pick apart a little bit more than I would? No, no, I think, I think that his offense is, and it is frustrating to watch sometimes. I agree with you. Cause I mean, they're just a heavy RPO based team, right? They're throwing a lot of screens they're doing a lot of type of stuff, mm-hmm. but there is, I don't think there's limitations 
to the <clears throat> to the arm strength at, at conversation with Dante. I mean, there was a throw that we watched on film where it was literally like a 35, 40 foot throw on the back shoulder where you're just mm-hmm. like, there was no like that. It's just a high difficulty throw, man, for anybody, right. not just for a high school kid. that's only a junior. So I think the upside's immense. I think that people are losing sight of what the upside is because there is a high floor, but I, I, I really don't think that there is a ton from a men, like a mental processing perspective for a high school junior it's just extremely advanced. Like you could tell me that I, I would, I, if you just watch his film without knowing what team he's playing for, if he's in high school, whatever it is, it, you know, kind of in a vacuum, I'd say he's playing in college already. Like mm-hmm. I think that he's that mentally uh, twick, uh, yeah. quick twitch of a kid. So I, I'm a big fan of Dante, man. There's a reason that we keep kind of singing the praise if Notre Dame's able to land him because I think that the – there's yeah. there's a full repertoire, and I think that people kind of mistake the fact that he's an advanced player from a mental perspective and from an accuracy perspective to think that he's not a great talent. When I do think that there's right. a lot of arm strength there, I think he's a good athlete. Like it's, right. it's a lot there, right? And this is a kid, and, this, and that's all those things have been true for a long time. When it's almost a year, they offered him on March 17th last year. He was one of the first offers that went out on like when the when they said the pot of gold thing last year. And I said at the time, like Arch Manning was the big name, but I said that's the best quarterback on the board right there. And I don't care about, I mean, Arch Manning's a good player, and I like Arch and, and all that kind of stuff, but that's that's the best quarterback right there on the board because you you just you know you've heard this, Ryan. You're involved in scouting, right? You've heard this a million times from scouts and coaches. I know you've heard this. I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it, right? right. I can't define what it is for a quarterback. But when a kid has it, I'm like, yeah, he has it. What is it? I don't know, but he has it, right? And I think that's what makes evaluating quarterback sometimes difficult because sometimes you can get so wrapped up in the the physical tools that you can overlook the fact that this guy just doesn't have it, right? Like the Broncos drafting Paxton Lynch. I get why they did it, but he didn't have it. Dante has it, right? And it's not just the physical tools. It's all the stuff that goes into it. He just has – you watch that kid. That kid was born to play quarterback. I mean, just – God put him on this earth to play quarterback, right? I mean, and that's just kind of how he is. And and I've felt that since they offered him last March. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, now we'll see if they can – if all that hard work will pay off. And I, and I assume we'll find out sooner rather than later. So that's going to yeah. be it for today's show, everybody. And just remember, before you leave, okay, make sure you hit that like button. All right, hit the like button, hit the notification bell, hit the subscribe button, do all the things we tell you and ask you to do. We appreciate it. It means a lot to us. It helps with the algorithms. It helps make sure that more people get to see our show and help us grow. Uh, So hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. And I'm telling y'all, you hear people in the chat talking about it. If you are not signed up for the message board, y'all, you are missing out on some stuff. So definitely sign up for that. It's $4.99 a month. $49.99 for a year. And if you just want to support us and you're not a message board person, you can still sign up. You don't have to post. There's not like a minimum posting number. If you don't post a minimum number of times, we're going to slap you on the wrist. Okay. If you just want to support us, then we appreciate that too. Uh, But of course, there's tons of great conversation, lots of intel. We're going to start putting out on that as you've heard people talk about and just fun conversation. So the conversation doesn't have to end because the show is over, everybody. Okay. You can obviously rewatch the show, but you can also come back. Those are all the ways that you can support us and help us continue to not only grow our channel, but eventually grow our team. Because I made Ryan the director of the recruiting with the goal that someday he's going to have people to direct. So that is obviously the goal of this whole thing. So uh, thanks, everybody, for being a part of the show today and joining us on the Irish Breakdown podcast.